Welcome to Be The Light Podcast with C.B. Barthlow, lead pastor of Denver Beacon. I am your host, Pastor Ty Morris. Our desire is to lead the lost, the broken, and the hopelessness of our communities, to be light bearers in our city set on a hill. Now tune in for our sermon series. I want, I want you to do something real quick. I want you to take your hands. I want you to put them down at your side. And I want you to just start shaking them. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to shake off the stress from Wednesday. I want you to shake off that argument from Thursday. Jason, I'm talking to you. My brother-in-law's like, I ain't doing this. Yes, you are. I want you to shake off the argument from Thursday. I want you to shake off the bad news from Friday. I want you to shake off how the enemy told you the thing that he told you that had you discouraged. I want you right now to put all of that down on the floor at your side in Jesus' name. Right now in this room, I want you to be free of every weight and every sin that might hold you back so that you might be ready to receive something afresh and anew right now. And as you do that, your hands get a little bit lighter. And sometimes when you do that, your hands hit up in the sky and you say, God, I'm ready to receive. God, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. I ain't living here today the same way I came in. Come on now. You see how things feel a little bit different? We just got to get rid of all the other stuff so we can let him. All right, now do the thing. Put your hand on your heart. You're like, I didn't realize we were doing all these calisthenics at church. Repeat after me. Father God. In the name of Jesus, I came here today expecting to encounter you. Change me however you want. In Jesus' name, amen. On your way down, tell your neighbor, he's going to change you right now. He's going to change you. He's going to change you. I don't want to leave here today. Grab my Bible. I don't want to leave here today. All right. I don't want to leave here today. We're going to start a group. I don't want to leave here the same. That's it. That's it. I don't want to leave here the same way. One more time. That's it. One more time. I don't want to leave here the same. Woo! All right. Praise team. Praise team's getting the Holy Ghost. Oh my goodness. Good morning, Beacon. Do me a favor. Grab your Bible and open it up to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. We're going to read today in chapter 14 of Mark's Gospel. Mark 14. I'm going to read verses 53 through 65. 
part two in our Grown Folks Conversation, a series of three messages meant to start our, our year and mature us. Mark 14, verse 53. You have it say, yeah? yeah. You're still looking say, wait. All right, Mark 14, 53. It reads like this. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I'll destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I'll build another not made with hands. Yet, even about this, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, what further witness do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and strike him and say, prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. The title of our message today is Integrity. Integrity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. Jesus, thank you for living this out for us. God, I ask that you'd illuminate this text, enlighten our hearts, transform our lives today. Father, remove me from this equation that I might be a vessel, a ready writer, that when we hear this word, we hear you and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. We're doing three weeks in the series called Grown Folks, conversations about the characteristics of mature people. When God started to give me the vision for this series, I was just remembering when I was a child and I would go to functions with my parents and there'd always be like a room where the men would be talking about things that were well beyond my head. And I always wanted to be in that room. I always thought it was so cool when my uncles would drink boxed wine and talk about politics, right? I'm older now. It's not as appealing to me, neither the boxed wine nor the politics, but there was always something of great value to me when I was younger, the interest of being around men and women who were more mature, who had more wisdom than I. And this set of three conversations we're having today is really about faith. Last week, the message was entitled Responsibility. We talked about owning your faith, making sure that this private faith of yours is real and true. Today, we're going to talk about integrity or making your private faith a public faith. I want to challenge you today, church, real quick. I want to, before we go any further, I just want to push you and tell you it is of no use to you or the world around you if the faith that you hold is a secret. Amen? Amen. 
The Bible is clear on multiple occasions where it tells us that this faith of ours is meant to be shared, meant to be shined, meant to transform the world around us. You may have heard it said before, but you might be the only copy of a Bible anybody ever sees. And if no one knows you're a Christian, they'll never hear the word. This is a conversation for us today about going public with your faith. I don't want you to come to church. Love Jesus. Love the harmonies. Those harmonies were good. Love the worship and then leave this place and no one knows you know Jesus. Next week, we're going to end this series with a message called authority. And it's really about how to have powerful faith, the kind of faith that actually moves mountains. But you don't get power unless you're willing to be public with your faith. Amen? Now, here's the deal. We're going to talk about Jesus because it's, it's the perfect picture of what true integrity, true spiritual integrity looks like. This story has always baffled me my whole Christian life. I could never understand why Jesus did what he did. And today we're going to unpack it. But before we do that, I want to remind you just who Jesus is. Let me tell you this. Jesus was who he said he was. And make no mistake, Jesus didn't mince words. Jesus said he was God. You'll hear people critique the Bible or critique the Christian faith, and they'll say, I like Jesus. And I think he was a good guy. I mean, he never really said he was God. But the truth of the matter is, yes, he did. See, in this text, we're going to see that Jesus proclaims that he's God. He said he was God. Now, that's a big bar to set. Amen? That's a high standard. Because when you say you're God, <laughs> you're either God or a liar. There is no in-between. You don't get to be like, sorry, I, was, I just, I had pizza too late the night before. Thought I was God. <laughs> Turns out, just regular guy. <laughs> My bad. It doesn't work like that. You most assuredly do not get to make such bold declarations. Jesus said he was the son of the living God, the Messiah yet to come. We'll read this passage in Daniel that he declares here today. He was who he said he was. His actions and his life testified. Now, here's the best part. He didn't care who it offended. Read the text. You think Jesus was sweet? <laughs> read the text again. Jesus was bold. He was strong. He was mighty. He upset a lot of people. He called people names. Read your Bible. He flipped over tables. Read your Bible. He also put, put eyeballs into a blind man's face. Repaired an ear that had been cut off raised the dead, healed the lepers. I mean, the things that he did were bold and mighty. And sometimes people loved it. And sometimes people hated it. And none of their feelings ever changed who Jesus was. Now, I want to make this declaration to you today. We need more people willing to be like Jesus. Amen. In the modern day, 21st century church, we have a lot of people who love Jesus, but won't live like Jesus. We like the picture of Jesus. We like the words of Jesus. We just don't want to fight the fights of Jesus or walk the walk of Jesus or go down the roads of Jesus. We think it'll cost us too much. It's true. Walking and living and looking like Jesus will cost you and it's worth every penny. We need more Jesus people in this world. You came here today and you're like, it's early in the message and he's already yelling. Yep. I don't want you to miss anything, especially this. We need you to talk, walk, look, and act like Jesus. 
bold and uncompromising in your faith. So when someone says, do you know Jesus? I do. You want to talk about him? They're like, nope, too late. You already asked. Let's go. Now, I want to show you this text. This is a beautiful picture of two men in the very beginning of this. And it, it, it's meant for a purpose to demonstrate for us the difference between Jesus and Peter in this text. And the first part I want to just break down for you is this difference between these two men because it's, it's a value to us. The first point, if you're taking notes today, when we're talking about integrity is if you want to have integrity, the first thing you need to do is integrate your life. Watch this. It says, they led Jesus, this is the guards, to the high priest and all the chief priests and all the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter was there also. This is Peter, the one who made the declaration of faith upon which Jesus said, I'll build my church on that right there. This is the same Peter who cut off that ear that Jesus had to put together. This is the same Peter who walked on water. This is Peter. I mean, he's, he's serious about Jesus. And he's there. Kind of. It says Peter followed him, but he was at a distance. And he came into the courtyard of the high priest, and he went and he sat by the guards to warm himself by the fire. You need to understand this in this moment. No one in the royal court, be it the guards, the priests, the scribes, or the elders, are a fan of Jesus or his followers. And when the Bible tells us that Peter is sitting next to the guards, it means that they don't know who he is. Amen? Which means he has camouflaged his faith. And I got to talk to you today about this real serious. Because a lot of you, amen, are really good at having faith with Jesus. But in some crowds, real good at camouflaging that faith. Here's the picture that I want you to see. Peter has strong faith. He knows exactly who Jesus is. He left a lucrative fishing business, dropped it all, and chased after Jesus. And along the way, he's seen everything that Jesus has ever done. He's even seen transfigured Jesus. He knows that he knows who Jesus is. There is no doubt you're the Messiah. I'm doing everything for you. Jesus says, let's go pick a fight. And he's like, hold on, wait a minute. That's the challenge for most of us as believers is that we really do get a real encounter with Jesus. We really love him. We really changed by him. We like the way that it makes us feel. These words are giving us life. And then when we're set out into the real world, we clam up and get afraid. Am I talking to anybody today? For suddenly, all of the sudden, for some reason, I don't know why, but I just, I don't want to talk about Jesus. It's, I, I'm not comfortable. I don't know what to say. What if they ask me something I don't know? This picture, the reason that this is here in this text is to demonstrate for us the difference between spiritual integrity that is exhibited by Jesus, a man who was, who he says he was, all God in flesh, unafraid of the implications of that. And a man whose faith was only private. Here's the deal. Integrity is when private you and public you are the same you. Yes, sir. Amen? Yes, sir. Let me talk about it for just a minute, okay? This is incredibly invaluable for your Christian journey, is to understand that what we see in you on Sunday must be, absolutely has to be, 
cannot in any form be compromised when you are around people who don't know Jesus. You know what this is like. You know somebody who doesn't live with integrity. They, uh, they're different people to different people. I used to have a friend who used to say, I'm tofu. I can be anybody to anybody. And I remember being like, and so who are you? I have a friend who also, he said, you know, I got, I got two faces. He said, I got public me and I got private me. And I am one way with some people, but I'm another way with another people. And he meant to tell me the story such that I would understand that some people get access to the true him and other people get a facade. And I remember thinking, that sounds exhausting. Let me ask you, is it tiring to be two different versions of you? Isn't it a lot of work? Mark Twain said, if you never lie, you never have to remember anything. And I think a lot of us got really hard work in memories because we're trying to remember which room we were and which person we were in that room. We walk in and someone's like, it's Christian you. And you're like, oh yeah. Hey, glory to God. And then with your friends and they're like, where were you? And you were like, I was at church. I was down at the club called the church. You know, it's a lot of work to be fake all the time. And ready? It is absolutely fruitless work for the kingdom when who you are with Jesus is not who you are with the people who need Jesus. Now, it's easy for us in this conversation to think of all the people that you know that lack integrity because they say things like, what happens behind these doors is not for the world to see. Or you and I, this is just between us. Don't you tell anybody. You can think about relationships like that and environments like that where you've been around people and they've sworn you to secrecy because they've showed you them their real self, their violent self, their angry self, their struggling self. And they've said, don't tell anybody about this. Just this is for us. And you know what that like and how it makes you feel, how it hurts you to know that there's a secret between you and and you could only help them if they would just be honest and transparent. You know what it's like to be held captive by somebody in their dysfunction, and you're begging them to be honest so we could get out of this together, and that's the cry that Jesus has for you. He says, why won't you just let me tell the world about how I changed you? Why are you so secret about me? I'm fixing you day by day justifying you, fruit by fruit sanctifying you. And every time you're around people that need me, and I know because I sent them, you won't talk about me. True spiritual integrity is not just about taking responsibility for your sin, but walking it out in front of other people. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Same to wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. A song meant to be sung out loud to people who need to be found. That's integrity, friends. And if it feels like it's rubbed you the wrong way today, amen. Because I'm kind of sick and tired. I'm kind of sick and tired of watching Christians come back with the same fight. I'm kind of sick and tired of watching Christians unafraid to let God use them, wondering why the people in their life don't love God. It's because you don't show God. Amen? But 
being a person of integrity is not just being the same person, public and private. <laughs> Amen? Because uh, you can be ratchet in public and in private. <laughs> I'm not talking about just being the same always. I'm being... <laughs> Some of my church is like, amen. Other mine's like, ratchet. What's ratchet? <laughs> just pick up the context clues. It's not the same to just be the same everywhere. It's about being who God's created you to be everywhere. That's real spiritual integrity. Here's the deal. You, you want to be a person of integrity, spiritual integrity? You have to start with your identity. Simply said, it's like this. You're taking notes. You got to know your worth. You gotta know who he's made you to be. A lot of people are afraid and timid about their faith because they're not so sure that Jesus loves them. Let me break it off your life. Jesus loves you. See, you still don't believe me. Put your hand on your heart today. Put it on your heart. We're gonna say Jesus loves me. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus loves me. You mean in spite of my faults? Yes. You mean in spite of my mistakes? Yes. You mean even though I can't seem to keep my word very well? Yes, he still loves you. You mean even when I don't love me? Most then. Let me break that off your life. Once you know who you are, better said, once you know whose you are, a good, clear, rooting, and godly identity, that's when you can move forward in godly integrity. Check this out. Watch this picture right here in verse 55 through 61. Jesus, we've talked about Peter. Jesus, all by himself. Jesus in the house of the high priest, surrounded by all of the priests and all of the scribes and all of the elders and a throne of guards behind him. And they say this, the chief priests and the whole council, they were seeking testimony against him. This wasn't a fair trial. This was a setup. And it says they wanted to put him to death. And so many came and they bore false witness against him. But their testimonies didn't agree. And then someone stood up and bore false witness against him and said he was going to tear down the temple and build it again. And other people testified and theirs did not agree. And the chief priest looked Jesus directly in the face amidst all this chaos and controversy, amidst all these accusations and lies, amidst all of this that was meant to take him down and hurt him and break him. And the chief priest says, have you heard what they said about you? What do you have to say about it? This is the part that always drives me crazy. Because the Bible says that Jesus says, don't you wish Jesus did what you would have done? First of all, <laughs> I always wish Jesus just put him, number one, he ain't right. Number two, and just start laying out all their sin, putting them all in their place. No, he could have done it, right? Jesus could have made an argument perfectly worded, perfectly timed, revelation so deep, he could have convicted every man in that room. He could have brought them to their knees. He could have broke the world in that moment. And he says nothing. Let me ask you this. How good are you at biting your tongue? Right room, huh? How many of you have found yourself winning the argument but nearly losing your faith. Amen? 
Have you ever gotten in an argument with somebody and then you finally laid it out for them and they were like, I thought you were a Christian. Oh, gosh. I thought I was too. This is a picture of what it looks like to know what deserves your attention and what does not. Let me say it very simply for you today. Not every conversation needs your response. Not every argument needs your engagement. Not every discussion needs your comments. And not every person who has a mean thing to say about you should even get a second glance. Can I say that to you today? Can I really push you? If you're serious about Jesus, there will and should be some people who don't like that. Frankly, your faith should ruffle some feathers. And when it does, you don't need to answer all the dust. But some of us, we're always answering the dust. And here's why. Because we think they need to know exactly who we are. Amen? You don't like when people get, the mis get a misinterpretation of you, get you wrong, think the wrong thing of you. And you want people to see you the way that you think you might see you because it feels like a threat to who you are. What if what they say about me is true? Or what if everybody believes it? But here's the deal. Jesus never worried about that, did he? Do you know why? Because Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew who he was. He knew whose he was. Jesus is standing in that room full of so-called religious leaders. As the true and living God, he saw the world formed. He was there when his daddy said, let there be. And Jesus was like, say light, say light, say light. He's like, all right, son, light. He was there. He knew all about it. So when these scribes are like, and then you know what else he did? Jesus is like, I don't know what else did I do. Let me hear <laughs> He doesn't care. He's not worried about their opinion of him because he's worried about only one opinion of him. I know what you say that I am and that's all that I care about. Godly integrity is birthed out of godly identity. Who are you? And when you know who you are, what people say about you, not really my concern because I've been talking to Jesus all day long and he seems to disagree with you. Well, I think you're mean. Cool beans. I think you talk about church too much. Sweet. You got to know who you are. You got to know who you are according to what he says you are, right? So that the minor issues and the secondary conversations and the chitter chatter doesn't get your attention and waste your time. So that, check this out. Same verse 61, he picks up. Jesus says nothing to the high priest when he asks him about the accusations, but then suddenly the high priest asks the right question. It says, Jesus said nothing. Again, the high priest asked him a new question. Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? Oh, I wish I could have been in this room at that moment. Wouldn't that have been awesome? I wish I would have been Peter, but snuck in the back door, hiding behind one of the guards. Ask him if he's Jesus. Ask him if he's the Christ. Ask him if he's the Messiah. Ask him. Here's the deal. When you know who you are, you won't have to be concerned with other people's opinions of who you are. And then you can save your energy for the big questions in life, like who is God? And in this moment, they're having a bunch of foolish conversations. But once they ask the right question, well, that's when Jesus is like, so glad you asked. 
Real integrity is about knowing when to let it go and knowing when to stand your ground. They said, Jesus, <laughs> are you the son of God? In my sanctified imagination. I always think that like in that moment, that you could see like lightning in his eyes. I always imagine that in that moment, far off in the distance, the thunder began to crackle. I just always imagine in that moment that all of heaven, shh, 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 and even God the Father came up off of his throne. And they leaned in, and he said, I am. But he takes it one step further, because he doesn't just stand his ground. The Bible says he answers, declares, I might even say he preaches because he says, I am. And one day you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power coming with the clouds. The language that he's using is rooted in ancient Israeli Hebrew scripture, every word he's just spoken is a word that every man in this room, religious scholar, knows by heart. He says, I'm the son of man. He says, yes, I am the Christ. And I, the son of man, will be seen by you one day. He's quoting Daniel chapter seven. See, some people think that Jesus didn't say that he was God, but listen to this. He says, I'm the son of man. Daniel said this, I saw in the night vision, Daniel 7 and 13, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, the one of power, and he was presented before him, and to him, the son of man, was given dominion and glory and kingdoms that all peoples and all nations and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. They said, are you Jesus the Christ? And he said, I'm not only only Jesus the Christ, in my hand is all power. You're standing before the judgment seat right now. You ever asked a question and then got the answer and been like, shouldn't I ask that question? <laughs> he doesn't answer. He declares. The Bible says the chief priest rips his clothing says, we need not another word of testimony. We've heard all that we, ha we have. He's a blasphemer. Who would send him to death? And they all vote yes. I wish I was there. You read your Bible. And sometimes you, you, you will be fooled into thinking that they're just wonderful stories. Sometimes you'll read your Bible and be fooled and be like, I have literally no idea what's happening right now. Anybody? When you read your Bible, I never want you to miss the fact that in every story and in every interaction, God made that happen. Everything that you read in the Bible is by design. There are no accidents and no surprises to the kingdom. This meeting between Jesus and all of these OGs of the Jewish faith, guess who set the appointment? His name is Jesus. 
And so when he's there and they're accusing him, he says nothing because he's just waiting for the moment when they ask the right question. Here's the deal. Do you have the same sense of excitement that one day in your conversation with people that don't know Jesus might finally ask you, okay, so tell me about Jesus. That is the kind of faith that you are called to have. I'm going to tell you this right now as a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ, someone who's been saved, sanctified, and being continually renewed and transformed, you should be walking into every meeting, business, personal, casual, commercial, with the expectation, nay, I say the hope that someone might say, do you go to church so you can say, yes, I do. Do you pray? I sure do. We're just going through it. Oh my gosh, what a great thing for you and I to be together in this moment. I want you to understand that our God is sovereign over all things. He knows all things. He's made all things happen. And everybody that you meet is on purpose if you'll be on purpose. So today when you leave this place and you go to lunch and the service isn't so great, What an invitation for you to speak an encouraging word to the waiter or waitress who's overwhelmed. When you go today to a mom and pop shop and the service is good and the products are wonderful, what a divine appointment for you to say, I just love it here. You do such great work, wonderful moment for you to speak life to somebody. Have you ever thought about that? The fact that everywhere you go, God sent you. But you have to take the opportunity. And a lot of us, we don't, do we? I'm guilty of this too. I, I'm, I am by my nature um, in my later years a bit of a, a, a <laughs> this is going to sound strange, a bit of an introvert. I actually prefer to be alone and quiet. And sometimes, you would never think that because it's loud here, but <laughs> it's really not like that in my own home life. And I, I was pretty extroverted when I was a kid, but as I grew older, I, I, I really cherished just kind of being quiet. And I used to have this really bad habit of being Pastor CB here and then leaving here and just wanting to not be bothered. You ever just not want to be bothered and someone for some reason wants to bother you? I'd just be in the target, right? Sweatpants, straight from the gym, sweaty, hair messed up, right? Pastor! And I'd be like... Right? And they're like, Pastor, it's you. And I would sneak away and then look up and I'm like in women's lingerie. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, hi. Sorry. It's a terrible escape route. <laughs> Good to see you. I realized very early on that I, I didn't, I couldn't, I shouldn't be one kind of person some days and be a different kind of person another day. Because every day, was a moment that God had appointed for me and someone else to connect that he might get glory. And I wonder what what that appointment will look like for you today. See, I don't want you to think long-term that's true. Lord, you're going to use me mightily to have a conversation. I'm hoping it's in March when the sun is out and I'm at the park. No, it's probably going to happen today. And I want to prepare you for that. I want to talk about what 
what God is going to do through you today. You may say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've just been going through it. <laughs> it's been a rough few months for me. I, I got a haircut yesterday, and I was a sit. Uh, Shay cuts my hair. She, uh, she, she's, she serves at our church. She's like a spiritual daughter to me. We, we've, been, we, we've been walking together for a long time. Chanel and I just love her, and, and we were just chatting. And, and, and she, said, she said to me uh, while I was getting a haircut today, she said, um, you know, everybody that's been in my chair over the last several months has just been really struggling. And they've come and they've sat down and it's just been so hard. I can't tell you the number of struggles that people have been through. And so I want to look you dead in the face and tell you I love you. And I know that this life has dealt many of us quite a few challenges. And I know that it's not easy to get up in the middle of the life that you're living with, the, the challenges that you face and the obstacles that you're challenged to overcome. I know that this life can be hard and still God wants to use you. How difficult your life is is not an excuse to not help somebody find eternal life. Right. Amen? Now you say, but pastor, you don't know. My life is really hard. And I'm like, all hard is relative. Amen? Because I know people whose life I could not handle. And they would say the same thing about me. Today, God's going to give you an opportunity to do something, even though your life is hard. How do I know? I want you to see this. This is the last part of the text and we're going to close, okay? Jesus declares who he is. High priest rips his clothes. Chief priest makes a vote. All of the elders vote. Scribes vote. They all made a decision. It's time to kill Jesus. And I have to be honest with you. This looks like defeat. If Peter really is outside and he's looking in, this looks bad. Verse 64, you heard this blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as de deserving of death. And then some began to spit on him. And they covered his face and then they struck him. And they mocked him and said, prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. And you know, if Jesus was just a man, if he was just flesh, blood, and bone like you and I would, he may have thought for a moment, perhaps I should have gone a little easier on the whole son of man thing. Maybe I should have just downplayed it a bit. Because this is getting out of hand. But he didn't. Because I, I imagine for just a moment that as soon as Jesus finished that sentence, looking that high priest directly in the faith and face and saw the rage in that man when he saw the unanimous vote to kill him happen all around him. I can only imagine that our Jesus, my Jesus, your Jesus, realized that though they think they've won, though this looks like defeat, this is just the beginning of the greatest victory that has ever been won before. I imagine in my head that Jesus in this moment, as the insults and the mockery and the abuse come forth, he recalls the scripture that says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid all of that iniquity on him. In my mind, Jesus is standing in what looks like perfect defeat. And he's still taking territory for you. 
Oh, I wish you could have been there and to see the, sa- the face of our Savior in that moment as they begin to torture him and bruise him and beat him. I imagine that he was thinking about you. With every blow that hit, he thought about the way he was going to repair your marriage. With every insult that came your way, he thought about the ways in which the enemy would attack you, but he would defeat it. With everything that they said, with the crown and the wounds and the scars, he was thinking about the way in which he was making a way that you might have eternal life. He was taking territory, even when it looked like defeat. And that's the invitation for every one of us here today. Real integrity. Spiritual integrity, public faith says I'm moving this gospel forward no matter how bad it hurts me. Mm, See, you don't like that part. No one ever does. No one responds the same way. Most of us love the idea I'm moving the gospel forward. We go from glory to glory and it's going to be signs and wonders and miracles. But I want to tell you the truth. Walking like Jesus walked sometimes means suffering like Jesus suffered. Sometimes it means being bruised like Jesus was bruised. Sometimes being obedient to Christ hurts. But there's a difference between those who are willing to hurt and those who hide all the time. That faith is a private faith and a faith that's not making a difference in the world. The truth is that you and I are called to make a difference with a public faith. I'm going to invite the team up. Come on up. I want to close this time in prayer today. And I sense it. Same thing. We're going to worship for the last five or 10 minutes here. And as I've been preaching, I've just been sensing that the enemy has tried to discourage you and keep you quiet in this room. I sense the spirit of lethargy continually trying to creep in amongst us to say, not me, not me, not me, not me. Sit down, be quiet. It's somebody else. I don't want you to do this. I want to tell you today, the enemy is fighting for this room. I can sense it. This is the call. You can no longer afford to be Christian in private. Your day of ministry is here. Your day to stand up and be public about your faith is here. The day when everyone at your job knows that Jesus is yours is now. Here's what it's going to cost you. It's going to mean that some people that you love dearly, some people that are very close to you, are going to turn their back from you. Here's what it means. It means you're gonna run afoul of some of the friends that didn't mind when you were Christian quietly, but the moment you get prideful about it, or the moment you get boldful about it, the moment that you start declaring your faith, it means that that's gonna be challenging the way in which they live their life. I wanna tell you today, they deserve that challenge from you. Matthew 5, 14 is a core verse of our church. Jesus is standing on the Sermon on the Mount and he makes this conversation about salt and light and he challenges every blood-bought believer like you and I today to go public, to answer the call, to say these words in any room, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power unto salvation 
The challenge is for each one of you to be able to boldly say at your job and on your friends group, online, wherever it is, to say, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And I live by a standard that isn't like this world. And I know that may not be cool to you. It is what it is. And for today, I want to pray a prayer with several of you who have never gone public with your faith. You've been Christian your whole life, or you've been Christian for a season. But if anybody were to ever ask, they'd never even know. Would you bow your heads all over the room? Father, today, in this moment, we know that you've called us to live open, public, out loud, a life of faith that's contagious, a life of faith that demonstrates your goodness, not just in word, but in deed. And God, there's a few of us in this room here today, and we have just never told the world who we are. God, there's a few of us here today, we've had the tug on our heart to serve in ministry. God's been placing a burden in our heart to lead, to preach, to pray, to study, to worship, to go out and to change the world around us, but we've been scared, we've been knocked down, we've been lethargic, we've been fearful. God, today's the day we break that off of our life. That's you in the room right now. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Today's the day God said it's time to go public. I want you to slip your hand up. All over the room, I see you, I see you. Would you do me a favor today? Everyone in the room, slip up your hand. Keep it up for a second. Okay, here's what I want you to do. It's gonna be a bold step of faith, but you don't get to go public with your faith out in the world if you're not public with your faith with us. For every one of you that has your hands slipped up, would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet in this room right now? And would you join me at this altar day? I want to speak over your life. Would you join me right down here right now? I know you said, wait, hold on. You bait and switched me. I, I thought I was just raising my hand. I want you to come down here and be honest about this faith. I want you to be bold about this faith. Nothing silly, nothing spooky, nothing over spiritual. We're making a, a statement today about this faith of ours. God, we've been saying yes to you in private, but now we say yes to you in public. Come on down, make some room. It's the right room, right time. Every one of us. Willing to pay the price. Deacons, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and come surround these who have agreed to go public with their faith today? Let's give you a minute. I'm making room. Every one of us down here today, here's the call. Inside of you is a ministry. Inside of you is a ministry that God wants to bring forth. There are people desperate to meet Jesus and they wanna know him through you, Hayden. Right now at this altar, each one of you is saying yes to Jesus, not just for yourself, but here it is, ready? For everyone around you, for every broken heart and every stumbling sinner who's desperately in need of the Jesus that you have, today is the day you answer the call to carry the mantle. Would you do me a favor? Would you put your hands out like this? See, last week we put our hands up in the air. It was a posture of surrender. This is a posture of reception. Right now you stand with open hands. And right now you receive the mantle of ministry on your life. Would you pray with me? Church, would you extend your hands to these today? Heavenly Father, we love you. 
We thank you for salvation. We thank you for our soul, for our life. We thank you that you chose us and that you're using us to a greater measure. Today, with open hands and open hearts, we say yes to you. We receive this call from you. You're taking every broken piece and every shattered dream and every moment of defeat that we thought was meant to take us out and you're reusing it, reshaping it, transforming it, that you might send me to the nations. Like Isaiah said, send me today, Father. We receive the call to ministry. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes. And here's the last part. Father, we don't have any rules on it. You send us where you need us. You send us where you need us to the people who need to hear from you. God, use us exactly as you want. Break down our own barriers and give us a boldness like a lion. At this altar today is a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of healing, a ministry of recovery, a ministry of redemption, a ministry of truth, a ministry of godly men, a ministry of marriage, a ministry of forgiveness. At this altar right here is a ministry of healing for God will be healing through each and every one of you today. In Jesus' name, I seal this. God, I ask that you'd bless them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, that you'd keep them inside and out, that you'd make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. God, would you lift up your countenance upon them and would you give them peace? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining Be The Light Podcast with lead pastor C.B. Barthlow. Visit our website at denverbeacon.org. To download our Beacon app, text Beacon to 97000. Once again, text Beacon to 97000. Whatever you do, Please remember to be the light. Let's go!